0: I am so happy to be with you. I was uh, on vacation for a couple weeks, thank you for that. I am rested, so if it looks like I'm just jacked up on extra caffeine, I am, but I'm also very rested, and so I got lots of energy for you this morning, so brace yourself. Yesterday, I was praying for you guys. I was, I was just in the afternoon, had a quiet moment to myself, was just praying for all of you this morning. And uh, if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound like weird spiritual language, but I was like filled with the Holy Spirit. I was just getting filled up. I was so filled with God's love and delight in you. I felt that. If it wasn't, I would tell you otherwise. Nope, God's got a word. He's, he's, he's got a rebuke. No, but I felt the joy of God for this church and that God has something for us. Now, right when I finished praying, someone sent me an email this is a person who has sent me prophetic emails in the past. Again, another Christian lingo that if you're not a Christian, you won't know. But ask a friend. Now, she has a track record of things that she shares with me. They get fulfilled. So I take it seriously. She said, I was driving by the church. And I just saw this huge angel standing over the church. She doesn't go to our church, right? She just doesn't know that we're talking about the church of North Coast Calvary Chapel this morning. And she saw this huge church standing, angel standing over our church with a huge sword, and drop that sword, and split this huge frozen lake open, and just heard God just say to her, it's a time of breakthrough, you're, that we are entering a season of breakthrough, so I don't know what that, what's this being, I hope that's encouraging to you, it encouraged me this morning, the timing of it, I just couldn't ignore, so if you're not a Christian, you're thinking, wow, these guys are hardcore, so let me back it up, and let's, <laughs> have a softer entry. Let me tell you a story. This guy was sharing about when he was 11 uh, in 2011. He was on his club soccer team in New York. And now they showed up to the game. And as it happens on occasion, the referees didn't make it to the game. So what do you do? You get a parent to do it, right? So this, they get this dad to walk out there and referee the game. He's just refereeing, and pretty soon he starts coaching the kids, both sides. Hey, you ought to make this run right here. Hey, follow up right here. No, no, no. Get back and cover that guy. And he's like giving coaching while he's reffing to both teams, and some dads were getting kind of irritated with that. They're like, who is this guy coaching? He's not the coach. So at halftime, no joke, They told him, hey, you know what? We don't need you coaching the kids. Who are you to coach them? And so they fired him and got another dad out there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Halfway through the second half, word started getting around that that dad, that referee was none other than, if you don't know soccer, then you're not going to know this, but Pep Guardiola. Now, Pep Guardiola had just led Lionel Messi and the Barcelona club team (laughs) to the highest championship win in European soccer. He is the most winning coach in professional soccer. It would be like if Andy Reid, coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, or if uh, Bill Bilichick showed up and you didn't recognize him and tried to coach your kids and you fired him from coaching your kids. <laughs> Bill Bilicek, six Super Bowls, right? Can you imagine? That's Pet So here's the point. The point is this, that you might be coming here this morning and you're looking at Jesus and Jesus is like a coach and he's bringing some challenge. He's bringing some heat and maybe you're like, you just don't know who you've got in your corner who's not there to discourage you but wants to challenge you to turn you into a champion. And we're going to look this morning at how Jesus, like a good coach, wants passionately to coach us into being victorious in our life. He is so passionate about helping us be victorious over every challenge and obstacle to our faith and to the life that God has created us for. Look at this verse in verse 5. Like any good coach, a coach wants to help us win, right? Look at this. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. We're going to just frame this whole message around this idea of being victorious. It will help us understand why Jesus comes at us to both challenge us so strongly and encourage us. And you may not know it. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't know Jesus. And you don't know that you have the most winning coach and savior and Lord in the history of humanity. So I want to encourage you this morning. What Jesus has to say to you today will change your life if you take it to heart. So don't be too quick to fire him. Let's listen to what Jesus's words are. This idea of victorious is a great concept. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, The Greek word for victorious is the word Nikon, right? And it's where we get Nike from, okay? So to be triumphant, to overcome, to conquer, to prevail. So Jesus wants us thinking about the athlete winning the race, right? The warrior winning the battle, the hero overcoming their nemesis. That is what Jesus wants to do with your life. And like I've been saying, every good coach that's going to bring out the best in us has to challenge us as well as encourage us. And in every one of these letters, Jesus makes this call to be victorious because that's what Jesus wants to achieve in our life. But some of us, are not comfortable with being challenged. Now, if you're under 18 and you're living with your parents, you are more well-practiced in being challenged and corrected than the rest of us lame adults, right? We've been, around the, we've been around forever. No one can tell us what to do, right, adults? That's the best part about being an adult. But this morning, Jesus wants to renew in us that softness of spirit, to let him challenge us so he can turn us into champions, all right? Now, um, I want to show you guys something this X and Y axis. Because see, if we're open to his encouragement, but not to his challenge, we end up soft. If if we focus on the challenge and we don't hear the encouragement, we get discouraged. That's what this is reflecting, and we need to know that as we go into this passage. Because we need to know how to grapple with these challenging words that Jesus is saying. All right, look, right here. So on this vertical, you know, the Y axis, that's encouragement. So up there, it's high encouragement. And over here is the challenge. The x-axis is the challenge axis. So when you have high challenge, high encouragement, you're empowered. And that's what Jesus wants to achieve. You're growing. You're transforming because you're repenting. You're willing to let your life change in response to his correction. You're letting Pep coach you. After the game, all the dads found out. And they're like, we're so sorry. Can we get our picture with you? And will you coach our kids? (laughs) Uh, you know, So I hope you have that posture towards Jesus this morning. On the other side is where the Church of Sardis is. They are high encouragement, right? They have a reputation for being alive, but they have not been heeding the challenges. And so they're soft. They're cozy. They're comfortable. They're complacent. They're safe. They're stagnant, all right? And then if you go to the bottom right corner, this is when you focus too much on the challenge and you ignore the encouragement. You get discouraged, stressful, Right? It can be that legalistic side of our response in our faith. Some of us have a proclivity to that, but we need to hear both. Because right? this morning, we're going to look at how Jesus wants to challenge us to wake up and encourage us with the power of his promises so that we can be victorious in every area of our life. That's his desire for you. All right, So let's start with the challenge. Here we go. Challenge. Verse 1, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Tough words. Can you imagine if someone laid that on you? Hey, you know what? You were dead here at work. You were dead in our marriage. You were dead in this family. You were dead. You'd be like, oh, tough. These are tough words, challenging. Verse 2, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds, now here it is, unfinished. We'll come back to that in the sight of God. It seems that at some point, this church of Sardis, the believers there, began to rest on what they had done and lost their fire today. you with me? They remember what they did, and they're resting on what they've done, but they've lost their fire for today. And we can do that a little bit in a lot of areas of our life where we get complacent. We can do that in our marriages. Now, it's till death do us part. Now, I can treat you badly and take you for granted. No, of course not, but we can fall that way, right? Maybe we don't date our spouse the way we used to. Remember how we used to, come on guys, remember we used to shave and put on the cologne and shower? Every time we saw that person, remember how we used to brush our teeth, we had that good breath before a kiss? Now we don't even care. We got like roast beef in the teeth and we're still thinking we're gonna get a kiss. No, but in all seriousness, we can grow complacent in our marriages, we can grow complacent in our, with our friendships. We take our close friends for granted. We stop taking the initiative, right? We can do that with responsibilities that have been entrusted to us. It is the challenge of complacency that Jesus is addressing. Now, this is where I want to get to us today. Jesus is saying, wake up, your deeds are unfinished. Unfinished. You got off the plane too early. You did some great stuff, but now you think you're done. Let me tell you a story about that real quick. I had to take a flight in my previous job to Dallas for some meetings. I was notorious for messing up plane flights. So what my team did was they booked my flight to Dallas so they didn't have to get off at the transition point. I'd stay on the plane through Austin to Dallas. Simple, Uh, but I fell asleep. And uh, when I got woken up, I was disoriented. And I thought, okay, we're in Dallas. And I jumped off the plane. I'm at the curb, arguing with my friend who's supposed to pick me up. No, I'm right here. No, I don't see you. Look, dude, I've got a blue suitcase. I've got a hat on. And then I'm right in front of the sign that says, oh, yeah, Austin. (laughs) Yeah, bummer. Wrong place. Okay, so. Sometimes we get off too early. We think we're done. We rest on the past. I think this is a word for us today. Um, Jesus wants to challenge us with our good works. And maybe some of us, God has given us good works to do, and we've gotten distracted. Maybe God has given us good works to do, but we've kind of lost sight, and we've forgotten what he's asked us to do. Just this morning, God reminded me of something he had asked me to do a month ago, and I ran into this a mother outside, and as I saw her, I was giving a live to her kid. It reminded me of something I'm supposed to do. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't done it. I'm like, thank you, God, for reminding me. There are good works that God has asked us to do for one reason or another. We have not finished, or we have not started, or we have not carried out for various reasons, and that's what you see Jesus addressing with all of these churches. Some of them have gotten deceived So they haven't done their good works because they've been deceived. And we get deceived into thinking, well, God doesn't really hear my prayers. We get distracted. We start chasing after the next shiny thing and we lose the priority of God's purposes in our life because other purposes take preeminence out of stress and worry or ambition. And Jesus this morning is calling us as a church, let's wake up. Let's finish the good works that God's given us to do. Now, I want to just lay out a couple of examples. It could be a word of encouragement or a blessing or a word of truth that God is asking you to speak to somebody. It could be an act of kindness, sacrificial generosity that God is calling you to make that you have been hesitant about. Maybe it's praying for someone. Seeking God's presence in your life in a special way getting alone with God to really hear him his leadership in your life And you're not doing it. You haven't you've forgotten or you're afraid and My favorite one of all maybe it's just simply to persevere and hold on to hope in a fiery trial I don't think there's many good works greater than the good work of persevering in a trial and holding your hope in Jesus Christ even when everything is against you, because that brings Christ glory and honor. Not that everything is going your way, not that you're crushing it on the stock market, not that you have a six-pack and you're running ultra-marathons. You could be crushed in your health, laid up in your bed, and you are glorifying Christ when you are trusting him with your trial. And maybe this morning God's saying, finish the race. Hold on to hope. I haven't abandoned you. I'm with you. Where is it for you? I want you to just reflect for a moment. Let's just pause. And I just want to just pause the hype machine a little bit and get us to listen to God for a second. Where is there a good work that God wants to lead you into, a good work that he wants you to finish, to fulfill, to bring him glory in someone's life? Okay, let's just close our eyes for a minute. Holy Spirit, would you just open us to what you want to say to us right now? Is there anything you want to remind us of, God? Is there any good work that you want to lead us into, show us what that is, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to this. This may sound like one of those moments where the Bible is just telling us to try harder and do more kind of a thing. And that's not what Jesus is doing here. Like any good coach, he wants to challenge and inspire us. And I want you to listen to this great verse, Ephesians 3.10, for let's actually read this out loud you ready join me for we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do i love that verse i mean i if you could just memorize that and live your whole life seeing your life through that do you know how much pressure that would take off of you To know that God has prepared good works in advance, that's why this is not about try harder, do more, earn God's favor kind of a message. This is about the promise that God has already created good works for you to do in your life. They're already out there. Before you were born, God has already laid aside an inheritance of good works. He's already put aside all the resources that you need, competency, courage, clarity, conviction, wisdom, finances, whatever it is, he has put it aside for you to do that good work. Where you might feel incompetent, you may not feel like you're strong enough, you may not feel like you have enough faith, you may not feel like you have the resources for it. The truth is, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, 1, and I have all that I need. He's already prepared that good work, and it's waiting for you to step into all you need is to trust him. And that's why this is not about earning and trying harder, this is about trusting God. To do through you what you can't do for yourself. So we got these good works laid out in front of us. And sometimes we're coming up to that good work. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That looks scary. I don't think I could do that. People might think I'm weird too. Re- nope, nope. I might get rejected. And we dodge that good work. Other times we come up to that good work and we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got my eye on the prize. I got the eye of the tiger. I'm gonna, that's where I'm going. Whoa, what's that shiny thing over there? And then you're off on a rabbit trail chasing your insecurities like a tiger by the tail. The Lord had given me a good work to do. My wife and I had been, you've heard this story, but some of you who are new don't know it. We had been saving and praying for a home for 10 years. And along the way, unsolicited, people had just given us gifts to help us get into a home. we never even brought it up. We didn't even know we were praying about it. So we had this little stash of cash. We would be looking at houses, and we were always at the bottom of the waiting list. People were throwing all cash in, buying houses. We weren't even close to that, you know? And so we were never getting into these homes, and God was calling us to tithe a portion of the money we've been given, but we didn't even feel like we had enough to begin with, and yet Jesus is saying, why don't you tithe that? I got a great idea. Don't have enough money? Can't get into that house? Why don't you tithe that? Yeah, that sounds like Jesus. Good, Good idea, Jesus. Super practical. So, get this. For a year, I ignored that. Word from God. A year. And then one morning, I was in church, just like you are right now, sitting over here somewhere, and Mark was saying something. I don't know what he was talking about, but man, God reminded me. And I turned to my wife and I said, we have to do it now. We're going to do it. And she's like, okay. So we did. And man, what a blessing. What a relief. He returned to us a thousandfold what we tithed. In his good time. It wasn't like the next day, you know, kind of a thing. It wasn't like a, I don't know, cryptocurrency Bitcoin return. It was like one of those long, more stable ones. What is a good work that God's asked you to do that out of fear, distraction, you just haven't walked into? Maybe it's the season of life you're in right now, and you just can't see how you can get into that space with God. Maybe you're just more focused on your own agenda and you're not even asking God, God. What good works do you have for me? You're too busy with the good works that you have got for yourself. And you think they're so amazing. But have you stopped to ask God? God, what good works do you want to do with my life? Watch out if you do. I've asked God that numerous times. And he has blown my mind. And that's what Jesus wants to do with you here. Because he wants you to be victorious. Now, God has good works, and that means he's prepared them in advance for us to do. So that's the grace. He's prepared them. But they are for us to do, guys. They are for us to do. Can you say that with me? They are for us to do. You got to do it. Some of us have an idea of grace that exempts us from obedience and taking risks and stepping out to follow Jesus. We think, oh, grace? Yeah, I just sit back and relax you got a wrong idea of grace. Grace is not an exemption from good works. Grace is the reason and the power to do those good works because he has prepared them in advance. You're not making it happen. You are trusting him and stepping into what he has already set aside for you. But you've got to do it. Church, is there a good work that you have failed to do? Don't get discouraged. Let the Lord strengthen you let him get you out on the field let him get you into position let him use you to bring glory to his name because as you walk into the good works of god you grow into your identity and you mature into your destiny think of david just a shepherd boy the youngest of seven overlooked left out out there with the sheep if you don't know the story fighting wolves and bears and lions to protect his sheep not knowing that one day that faithfulness would prepare him to trust god to face goliath and win a defining moment of victory for his life and for the people of god how about you what good works is god asking you to step into all right When we lose sight of our good works and we fall asleep, we need to wake up. So how do we do that? Look at verse 3. Jesus tells us, verse 3. He's going to show us how to wake up. He says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. This is not, what I love about this idea of remember what you have received. Notice what Jesus is saying. He is not saying go out and get what you need to do what you need to do. No. He's like, you already have it. That's the grace of it. Whatever Jesus has asked you to do, he's just going to say, remember what you have already received. Well, what have I received, God? Well, there's a lot of things that might be. But look at Revelation 1, 5, for starters. He says this, to him who loves us, let us remember, the one who is calling us into these challenges and to these great works, he is the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. Let's read this with me right here, this last line over here. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. What are we remembering right here? If you look at this verse, what are three things we're asked to remember? Just take a look at it for a minute. All right, here we go. Ready? Number one, remember that he loves us. Remember that you are loved by God. You're not going out to do good works so that He loves you. You're going out to do good works because He loves you. And it's His love that sets us free to be who we're made to be. It's knowing His love. Sometimes we lose sight of that love. Like a couple that has lost sight of each other's love and is no longer assuming the best about one another, they see behind every other person's action um, false bad motives. They forget that love they had at first. They forget the goodness in that person, and they only see ill intent and motive. Remember God's love for you. Remember. Secondly, that he has freed us from our sin. If you're not a Christian, it says here, he has freed us from our sin by his blood. That that, by his blood, it represents Jesus' death on the cross when he poured out his blood. As Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross so that we might be freed from the power of sin that separates us from God. Do you know that message? Sin is the impulse to be God over our own life, to be our own coach. Sin is firing God as coach of our life and saying, I can coach myself better, thank you very much. I know exactly what I want, when I want it, where I want it. And you ignore God's leadership in your life. That is sin. And we've all done it, and we all continue to do it at different places. But Jesus' death on the cross has freed us from that impulse to do it and the consequences of living without God. Forgiveness. And thirdly, we live for God's glory. To Him be glory and power. Now that is so important. This is speaking to God's love for us no matter what our sin is, no matter the sins that we have committed or the sins that have committed against us, sometimes we think we can't do God's good works because of sin in our life. I got to tell you honestly, I didn't say this for a so I'll say it to you. I'm glad that Jeff Renke talked about some of his, the sexual struggles of his past because it reminds us that even God's mighty men and women struggle with sin. Look at David, who struggled with sin, and Bathsheba. And that did not conquer or define his life. God redeemed his life. And God got the last laugh on Satan because Jeff Frankie's sinful sexual past was used to bring healing and freedom and wholeness to the men and women that he ministered to every day through the counseling service. And I thank God for that. I think God that as a church we can talk about those things and get honest. Yeah, I know. It gets a little PG-13 in here. <laughs> got your kids sometimes. Like, oh, shoot. Uh, earmuffs, you know? You got to do that a little bit. Sure, but the point is this. Jesus, when we are stepping into good works, we can get defeated by the knowledge of our own failures and frailty or the sins that have been committed against us, our parents, someone who was supposed to be faithful to us was unfaithful, a friend who didn't stand by us, a boss who doesn't see our potential. And Jesus here on the cross is saying, your sin and no one's sin against you has the power to define and limit your life. His forgiveness triumphs and is victorious over all the darkness in this world. Isn't that good news? But grace isn't an exemption from good works it is the power to do that good work come on now now that gets us to uh the encouragement let's get to that who is this verse five the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white i will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels now, I see three promises in this moment. I want to outline to you and just really write these down and capture these. These are powerful promises. Number one, dressed in white. It represents belonging to God. When you join a team, you get a what? You get a jersey and you are known on that team. Can you imagine? Padres are playing the Yankees and the pitcher for the Padres is wearing the Yankees jersey. It would just be a joke, right? What are you doing? Whose team are you on? Right, So when you're dressed in white, it's a symbol of being on God's team. You belong. And when you are walking into your good works, your confidence about who you belong to gets stronger. Every day you walk out, your faithfulness in your friendships, in your marriage, in your relationships, it strengthens your affection. Your actions bring strength to your affections. And that's what he's talking about here. Dressed in white. You belong to God. It's like a jersey. Number two, the book of life. There's a lot of references to the book of life, the idea that your name is written in it, right? But it's the idea that your name is known by God. It's written down. When the disciples had gone out, they had cast all these demons out, done all these amazing works in Jesus' name. And you know what Jesus says to them when they come back? They're all fired up. He's like, don't rejoice that demons obey you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven, that you are known by God, that God knows your name. Now that is something. Think about that, to be acknowledged by God in that way. Have you ever had a moment where, God where you've been acknowledged by somebody and affirmed? Do you remember how good that felt? And that gets us to the next one. I will acknowledge you. Look at this. He goes, I will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. You belong, you are known by name, and you are going to be honored by God. That idea of being honored is so human, which is why Jesus talks about it. He's created us to be to brighten up when we're encouraged, right? So, can you think of a time when someone gave you encouragement and acknowledged you? They gave you an affirmation. Maybe it was a spouse or uh, a boss or one of your children that commended you, or when you received a public honor or when you achieved a goal. Can you think of a moment where you were acknowledged? Okay. This is so important because this honor is what God has created us to find confidence and joy in. When God acknowledges us, it's in competition with living our life for the recognition and the honor of people. When we live for God's honor, that sets us free to be who God's made us to be. I mean, think about it. When you get into heaven, God's going to acknowledge you and go, Man, I know you. You belong to me. I know you, Jan. I got you, Jan. Now, this woman right here, Jan, right here, is an amazing woman of prayer. She prays for this church. She prays for me and fires me up. Jan, you inspire me so much in prayer. Now, imagine if I got Jan up here right now in front of all you guys. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys, that is nothing compared to what God is going to be doing with Jan and with you as you walk with him. Sig, Sig out there, man, she started a Montessori school because she cares that much about the education of children. She's a mother of like, I don't even remember how many, five, six kids, you got so many kids over there. And check it out. She's got, she started a Montessori school because she's passionate that kids get a good education. Come on, Sig. No, I'm just calling her out. You guys, this is what God's going to do. I see you, Jim. I got you and he's gonna honor us. And living for that kind of honor and glory, now that is a noble pursuit. And that's what God's created us for, to live with the knowledge that God is delighting in you, that God is pleased with you. So now here's the point, and then I'm gonna invite the band out, listen to this. Walking into those good works is not earning God's delight and love for you. By walking into your good works, you are going into deeper relationship with Jesus. You're getting closer to him. Do you notice in the story of the Gospels that if you're following Jesus, you're getting closer to him. And as you get closer to him, you get closer to his heartbeat and you know his heart for you. As you walk into your good works, you grow in your identity. You grow in the knowledge of God's affection for you. You don't make God love you. You just get close enough to feel it in your life. And that's why God cares so much about the way you live your life. Because thirdly, you live to be a light on a hill, a a light in a dark place, to bring God glory through your words and your actions. And they matter in this life. Is it possible there are good works that are not happening in this side of heaven because you are not stepping into the good works that God has given you? He wants to inspire you. Step into them. Let him give you the courage you need. Let him give you the passion you need. Ask him to give you the faith that you need. And he's going to fill you up. Guaranteed. This, uh, this is a great quote from C.S. Lewis. Living in step with God steeps us in his love and his delight for us. C.S. Lewis says, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness. Think about this, making God happy. Isn't that awesome? The thought that you could make God happy. Well, this is true. Look at this. To be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. To live your life with this overflowing sense of God's pleasure and delight in you That gives you strength. That's the kind of encouragement that empowers you to do bold things for God. It's not the other way around. You're not doing it to get him to love you. Now, I want to just talk about this acknowledgement, and as I invite the band up, band, come on out. This idea of to acknowledge, it means this. Check this out. It means to publicly and emphatically declare. Jesus is saying, I'm going to publicly declare to you know emphatically declare you before my father in heaven and that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross when Jesus went to the cross Jesus made a public declaration of his love for you you know that he didn't notice Jesus didn't just die in some quiet little corner of a room late in the night without any fanfare he died publicly he died and endured rejection betrayal and physical pain, all of that so that we would have absolute confidence that there is no one too far from God. The extent to which God was willing to go to reveal and stand by his love for you. How far is God willing to go to steep your life in his love? Nothing can separate you not only from his love but from the good works that he has made you to do. And he died on the cross to overcome those doubts, those distractions in our life that keep us from walking them out. And he did it in a public fashion. He took a stand on the cross for his father's love for sinners. There's no one too far from God. I was going to this song. Where is God inviting you to step out? And renew good works in your life. Maybe it's talking to a friend about Jesus that you've been quiet with. Maybe, hey, it's getting off the couch and coming back to church. Love you all, but maybe it's time to get back. Guys, <laughs> we're looking at you, online peeps. Yeah, you're it's the online people in the camera. Maybe it's an act of sacrificial generosity that God's been putting on your heart. What is it for you? What's going to this song? Ask the Lord to speak to you.
1: My heart and flesh cry out.
0: Before we go, I want to give you a couple next steps. All right? First, a couple challenges to consider this week to get out there and renew the good works of God so that you are shining the light of God out there in the world. All right, number one, I want to throw out a couple ideas. One is the blessing challenge, all right? For some of us, it's just having that confidence to let others know that you are in love with Jesus. So one way you can do that is Just when you meet people at the grocery store, wherever you see people, just end your conversation with God bless you. If you want to add a little Tapatio sauce on it, just say, Jesus bless you. Use the name. Use the name of Jesus. You'll be surprised. When you greet somebody, hey, Jesus bless you. They'll be like, oh, okay. All right, but maybe you want to step it up a notch. The next one is the prayer challenge. This one I, I use all the time. I I, I use this with the men when we gather on Monday nights. This is the challenge to pray, uh, to ask and invite any non-believer you know in your life, how you can be praying for them. It could be your boss, it could be a teammate, it could be your neighbor, your roommate, someone who's not a believer, to say, hey bro, hey uh, friend, how can I be praying for you? I'll tell you. when I was not a believer, my friends used this on me all the time and I never found it offensive. And I was very sensitive and, uh, about the whole thing. And I never felt offended by that. And I have yet to meet a non-believer who is. Uh, okay, here's another one. The service challenge. Look for an opportunity this week uh, to serve. To serve here at the church. But even more importantly, all right, I'm going to say this as a pastor, to serve outside the church. To serve at the school, to serve in the neighborhood, the community. Get out there and serve. I was listening to a couple this um, morning service. Their service is they participate in, uh, I think it's the, uh, the widows. Is it a widows ministry? Like a widows group? Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, it's a widows group. You know what their service is? They go dancing together and create community for people who have lost the love of their life. And I think that good work and the call of Jesus for them is keep on dancing. It doesn't have to be burdensome, but that's a good work. Go out and do your good works. All right? Find a challenge. What's a good work that God has asked you to do or is leading you into? Maybe it's just go home, husbands, and wash some dishes. Massage your wife's feet today. Oh, holla! I didn't say that in the morning, so I think that's a word from God. (laughs) Go home, massage your wife's feet. There you go. But I got one last one. One last challenge. Jesus took his love for you publicly on the cross so that 2000 years later you could go public with your love for him i want to give you a chance to go public for jesus right now we come to church on sundays to renew our boldness and confidence in christ to remember who we are who we belong to what we are about because we forget out there so you got to get reminded And that's why I like to invite people to stand or raise a hand, do something public as an acknowledgement for their faith in Jesus Christ. Because if we can't do it here, why are you gonna have confidence to do it out there? Here, we're all gonna root for you. Out there, not so. So I wanna invite you right now. If you would like to take a public stand for Jesus Christ, I wanna invite you to stand up. If you're sitting, raise a hand and say, Lord, You are my Savior. Say it out loud. Lord, you are my Savior. Lord, you are my King. Lord, I live for your glory. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your death on the cross for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now hold it. If you're not a Christian and you just did that, well, guess what just happened? I think you just joined the team. I think you just joined the team. And if I had like a, a Jersey, I would come put it on you right now. But listen, if you just did that and you are not a follower of Jesus and you want to accept Jesus as your savior and coach and leader of your life, would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. And I'm gonna pray a special blessing over you. Come on now, if that was you, raise your I see you, I see you right there, come on. I see you, girl. Anybody else? Wanna just receive Christ, renew your faith. Keep your hand up for a minute. Yep, I see you guys. Oh. Yeah, I see you too. All right. Prayer team. They're up here. If you just raise your hand, I'm gonna pray for you. And would you guys come up? Would our prayer team pray over you? So this moment sticks and it's more than an emotional moment. So would you come up in a minute? Would you guys come up just in a minute? And then if you raise your hand and you just need fresh courage. live for Christ out there, then come up, let us pray for you. We got Lindsay up here. She's going to bring the heat. Come on. All right. Lord, for those who just raised their hand, let's just pray. Lord, we bless you. May the forgiveness of Christ wash over you. Freedom from all your sin that you've committed, the sin that's been committed against you. May you be cleansed. May you be healed. May freedom begin to take over your life. We bless you to step into all the good works that God has created you for through the power of the Holy Spirit. May God fill you with supernatural confidence and peace and strength. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Amen. All right, come on up, guys. Get your prayer. I'll see you outside.